0: This morning we are talking about the fruit of patience, Uh, but the reality is we live in impatient uh, times. When, uh, When we order a book one day, we expect it to be delivered the next day and start to get a little impatient if it doesn't show up on our doorstep. Or when I get an email, I can almost hear the clock start ticking in my head. I need to get a response out today. I need to get a response out tomorrow. I can feel the stress, and if I don't get it out by the third day, And some of you know this from experience. I don't always get it out by the third day. I feel some guilt about it. So, good. All right, I'll try to be more prompt with your emails. How do we live with patience when so much seems so urgent? And not just urgent in our own particular lives. Um, We feel an urgency to address homelessness in our city. We feel an urgency uh, to to undo the impacts of racism in our society. We feel an urgency to respond to global climate change. So what does it look like to live with patience? And are there times that we should be impatient? So this morning, uh, I've asked three people to come and offer their reflections on patience. And uh, we're just gonna go in alphabetical order. So Kim Brant, and then Barry Frisbee, and then Dave Johnson, and as they share this morning, I invite you to reflect on patience amidst the urgency of your life. Uh, What's the role of patience play as we strive to follow Jesus, and how do we learn to trust more and more uh, in the slow work of God? So, Kim, will you come? Kim. Kim.
1: Morning. I feel as though I ought to say welcome to worship at Portland Mennonite Church, but that's already been done. <coughs> so, it has already been a very rich morning for me. I just have felt so excited to see everybody. I love to hear Ray's responses to to uh, uh, Stephen's question. I love Stephen's patience, just waiting in silence and letting people get uncomfortable. I even love that I found that last hymn quickly because usually, a lot of times, I'm all the way through the second verse, into the second verse before I can even find the hymn. One of the sources of my impatience. When Rod asked me if I would contribute some thoughts about this week's fruit of the spirit, patience, I didn't hesitate much. Patience sounded like something I have experience with, or rather with its opposite, more about which momentarily. And God kept it top of mind for weeks, and then when I sat down to put it in words, it just did not seem to be coming together. I, <clears throat> I, No kidding, I panicked a little. I had other responsibilities this week and this weekend, and I didn't have time for writing failure. I was very impatient. Patience is an exceedingly important and exceedingly unglamorous fruit of the spirit. We may praise a person for their love, their generosity, their dependability, But except for mainly teachers, no one gets a shout out for their extraordinary patience. It seems mostly between us and God, in part because only God knows what we're up against that needs patience and how hard we're trying to maintain it. Also, as Rod alluded, two patience might even be considered a relative virtue, since there is such a thing as being too patient, when something really needs to be confronted rather than tolerated longer. Uh, I kept thinking of Jesus asking his disciples, how long do I have to put up with you? When are you going to learn this? I did wonder, could he possibly have been playfully teasing them? Oh, you bumbling disciples, do I need to go over this again? But it didn't sound like that to me. Likewise, Jesus doesn't ask us to turn a blind eye toward, to injustice toward others. Passivity is not patience. And patience can and will support passion for God's will. Patience can also be a very silent fruit because when we really have it, it isn't always noticeable. When we don't honk at someone who just caused us to miss an exit, that's patience that only you and God know. When you listen to someone who needs to be heard, even though you have other things to do, that is patience and love together. And if done with the right spirit, that person doesn't feel you exercise patience. They feel rightly that you exercise love. I looked at a lot of definitions of patience because that's what a genetic English major type and a person raised in an evangelical tradition still does. They range from patience is a person's ability to wait out something or endure something tedious without getting riled up. Kind of light, but okay. All the way to, and this is from the 19th century, patience is the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil, with a calm, unruffled temper, endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. That sounds like patience as perfection. My favorite so far came from my sister, Kelly Doyle Smith, as I was asking her in my Impatience for Prayer, and she said, Patience is endurance with grace in the moment. Patience as endurance with grace. Short... Sweet, accurate. God calls us to endure little annoyances and huge calamity with grace. His grace toward us and our grace toward others, and that can only come by the spirit of God's working in us. As a practical matter, when I think of the opposite of patience, it's the things I see in myself every day. Anger, speeding, not listening, inner eye rolling. But the Spirit alerts me at times to notice those things and shows me that I can instead offer the moment back to God, who understands our weakness, and maybe take a beat, take a breath, notice something else, something beautiful or strange. Ask God to bless the pest that is arousing my ire. Pray for someone who is suffering very concrete, intense, and and real pain. Recall that I know nothing of the background or inner life of the object of my impatience and that I can give the benefit of that ignorance to them, not to my impatience. Or, give thanks. Give thanks. Give more thanks. Gratitude is the enemy of discontent and impatience. Such moments of release give the spirit of God some room to cultivate fruit in us that we can't engender by ourselves ask for endurance with grace.
2: Good morning. Back in the day, I worked in residential treatment and to understand the story, you need to understand it was my day off. And the phone rang, and for any young people here, I did not have caller ID back in the day. And I answered the phone, and it was work. And work said, Barry, we need you to come in. And I said, it's my day off. And I said, Barry, the kids are acting out and out of control. We need you to come in. And again, I said, it's my day off lock the unit doors, and when I come in at 6 in the morning, I'll sort it out. And she said, Barry, they're not on the unit. They're at Oaks Park. And I think the police have been called. It was my day off. So I drove over to Oaks Park, and I immediately saw the the van, our uh, residential van, and the roof was partially caved in from where the kids jumped on it. Don't do this at home, kids. And I noticed that several antennas of cars had been snapped off. It's kind of traditional what the kids would do when they would get angry. So I parked my car safe distance away from that (laughs) and followed the noise and found this is in winter. So the only thing that was open was the ice skating rink and all the rides were closed for the winter. And I followed the noise to the Mighty Mouse roller coaster where four of the students were up about 20 feet. They had climbed up on the roller coaster. And they were being looked at by two police officers, three treatment staff, my supervisor, and some Oaks Park staff. And they were saying very unkind things. And I walked up and said, what am I supposed to do? And my, one of my friends, my, my treatment staff, said, don't get too close, because they filled their pockets full of rocks. And they've been throwing them. And I thought to myself, well, that's good, because that's planning ahead. That's one of their treatment <laughs> issues. Um, <laughs> So my supervisor walked up to me and said, Barry, do something. And I think, looking back on that story, you realize that there are a lot of situations where we're just told, do something. And the only thing we can do is from a menu of bad choices. And um, for patience for me, the first part of my patience comes from just realizing that things are out of my control whether it's a traffic jam, whether it's a meeting that's going too long. Things are just beyond my control. I have some influence, and often my influence makes things worse. I can make the meeting go longer. I can make the traffic jam seem worse. So part of my dealing with patients is I give up control. The other thing I work on is my self-talk. I have a lot of negative self-talk when I'm impatient. I don't know if that's true for you, Um, I think things like, oh man, if they just had the wreck in that lane, we could have gone around them. How inconsiderate of them. (laughs) Um, But when I can give up at my best, when I can give up control, when I can give up the negative self-talk and I can get some perspective, walking with Jesus has allowed me to gain perspective and compassion for people. The kids on that roller coaster, they did not receive the supports that you and I have taken for granted growing up. In fact, a lot of those kids have experienced trauma in their lives and everything just goes immediately, if you want some brain chemistry, everything for them goes through their amygdala, which is their fight or flight response. Um, So the kids are up on the roller coaster and I was told to do something. Fortunately, one of the staff had a book, and I asked the other staff to step back about 15 paces, and I went to a bench and started reading the book. I did not know what else to do. And eventually, my coworkers of fatigue, hunger, and gravity took, did their job, and the kids eventually came down one by one, and we were able to get out of there without any injuries. So walking with Jesus for me allows me gives me perspective in people's lives, and allows me to step back and realize it's not always about me. And usually when it's not about me, my impatience um, disappears.
3: So when Rod asked if I would take five minutes to talk about patience this morning, I thought I might see if I could test yours by spending the next 20 minutes on an extended and strained metaphor about baseball and patience. (laughs) And the patience that I've cultivated as a lifelong fan of the game of the Cubs and of the Cubs in particular. So batter up. Don't be nervous, I'm just kidding. Instead, this is going to be more of a confession. The reality is that in all the areas of my life that matter most, I am not a patient person. And I couldn't authentically stand up here and talk at you for the next 25 minutes. Still just kidding. Without saying that during these last few weeks, I have been the absolute worst. <coughs> I'm not a patient person. I've known this about myself for a while, as unfortunately have Crystalline and our kids, Beckett and Sadie. To be clear, it's not that I'm a patient person who sometimes acts impatiently. I'm an impatient person, waiting for some inconvenience or whatever to push me over the line. The hardest part about this knowledge is that in addition to being one of the fruits of the Spirit, patience is the first characteristic of love list- listed in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, etc. So what does it mean that I am the least patient with the people I love the most? I've been spending a lot of, uh, I've been uh, thinking a lot about the relationship between and among patience and love and control these last few weeks. There's an inverse relationship between love and control when it comes to patience. The more I try to control something or certain nine and 11 year old someones, the less likely I am to be patient, to act in a way that is kind, to be curious about their interests and their needs and hopes and to not be so laser focused on my own situation. In other words, to love them. I suppose it's obvious that I would be my most impatient when I want to control something that is not mine to control. What is less obvious to me is how much I miss out when I try to control everything in my relative sphere of influence, just for the sake of my own convenience and comfort, or in the service of efficiency and productivity that is so much chasing after the wind. When I try to control the events and people in my life, I miss being surprised or experiencing something beautiful. I miss out on the possibility of learning something interesting, maybe even just something that would make me laugh. Each person, each serendipitous interaction is a latent gift that often requires patience to activate. If that's a little too close to Instagram theology for you, it is for me too. Uh, It is often hard for me to believe that in theory, much less in practice. But I think it's true, and I definitely think it's worth the effort to try. So what does patience look like in a person? When I think about the patient people I know, I have no doubt that the patience in their lives is cultivated by difficult, intentional, persistent, and ongoing effort combined with some mysterious alchemy of the spirit. When I think about these people, it rarely looks like they're trying to be patient, instead In practice, patience often looks like the other fruits of the spirit. Sometimes it looks like self-control, that necessary pause and a few deep breaths. But when it's fully embodied, when it's something that you have become instead of just something you're trying to do, it often just looks like curious interest or waiting with peaceful acceptance or hopeful expectation that something new but unintended is about to happen. It looks like love and kindness and goodness and gentleness. In my life, it looks like Joe and Lavonne and Colleen and Jana and Karen engaged in conversation with Beckett and Sadie about what they're interested in during our recent Dine with Nine dinners. It looks like Morris putting together puzzles with Beckett at the church retreat and like Vivian quilting with Sadie during uh, Wednesday mornings during Dorcas Needles and Stitches. It looks like Denise downstairs with the little kids teaching them what it means to love Jesus by loving other people. And it looks like Kurt, creating space for the high schoolers to ask questions about faith and church and God without trying to control their answers. I'm not a patient person yet, but I know what this fruit of the Spirit looks like in the lives of these and so many other people that I go to church with here at PMC, and that is a gift for which I am very grateful.